Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic. It's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Hamid Ganadan. He's the founder of Linus. Hamid works to break down the barriers between knowledge and humans. He spent his career studying the interplay between logic and emotion and how people comprehend technical information. Hamid's interests include behavioral psychology and behavioral economics and persuasion within highly technical, scientific, or clinical environments. He has two books on the topic, Persuading Scientists, Marketing to the World's Most Skeptical Audience, and Catalytic Experiences, Persuading Scientists and Clinicians with Effective Digital Marketing. I love the interest that Hamid has in, in behavioral psychology and economics, and I thought it'd be awesome, given the fact that the people listening to this podcast are really focused in this complex arena of healthcare and it really the the complex sales cycles as well as cycles to get anything implemented i thought it'd be great to have hamid on the podcast to give us some of his insights on human psychology and also economics so true pleasure to have you on the podcast today hamid and uh, excited to uh, chat with you thank you i'm looking forward to it so did i leave anything out in the intro that you want to share with the listeners <laughs> no you didn't i just want to clarify uh, that I hold no degrees in psychology or behavioral economics. Everything that I have done is built on the great works of both academicians as well as um, anybody who's doing empirical work. And, you know, we look at this topic empirically at Linus as well. So a lot of what I've built and a lot of what I talk about is really based on experience. Just wanted to clarify that. No, that's a fair comment there. So appreciate you, you, you uh, clarifying. So as we dive in, a lot of things that happen on the ground level are really the, the most impactful. So you know, I feel like the discussion we'll have is practical. You know, you say you draw from empirical experience. And so I'm excited to dive into some of the thoughts you have there. What got you into the medical sector? <laughs> well, you know, my parents really wanted me to be become a physician. And in my studies, I fell in love with science, but I really didn't feel like I had the type of creativity to do seminal work in science. So I brought together the type of creativity that I, that I did feel like I had and brought it to science and healthcare, which is really the creativity in communications. And it really started with photography. But, you know, as I was studying science, I, I had this this thought. And this thought is that I believe that science has a usability problem. I mean, if you think about it, 
we apply so much usability design to so many aspects of our lives today, right? From the cell phone that's in our pockets to practically any device that either a physician uses or a patient uses or anywhere in our lives. But as an enterprise, I don't believe that science is very usable. Nobody's actually even thought about it. There's a group that is working on and focused on access to science. But in my opinion, access is just the first rung of the ladder. Even today, science is hard to access. It's hard to understand. It's harder still to create utility out of. And so one of the places where this utility problem manifests is in healthcare. You know, if you think about it, there's so much work being done between the physician and the patient. And of course, that's a really important relationship and a really important interface, but that's not the entirety of healthcare, as you know. So I'm, I'm in the medical sector to try to fix this problem so that we can all have better outcomes, you know, better health outcomes and, and maybe even less expensive and more effective healthcare. So at Linus, today we do this through communications. We understand, as you mentioned in your quite generous bio, we try to understand human behavior and what drives people to action. And we try to close that gap just a little bit more and try to close that utility and usability problem that I mentioned. Very, very, very interesting, Hamid. So, so tell us a little bit more. Give us an example of how Linus, you and your team there are improving outcomes and making things better by doing them differently. So here's an example. The majority of the work that we do is in classical marketing and communications for the medical industry. You know, we launch okay. new technologies, we launch products, we sort of catalyze shifts in the market by creating experiences that drive change as quickly as possible. Change is the key. So many people believe that marketing is about, you know, making sure your, pro you know, your market is aware of your products or has the right perception about your products, your brand. But in reality, in order to make any market adopt any product, you need them to take some action, right? And that action is always preceded by some change in thinking or belief or understanding in order for that action to actually happen. So a great marketer will understand exactly what that change is that needs to happen, the precursor to the action. And it's rarely about a new product or offering. So I'll give you an example. Several years ago, we were working with a company to market a ventilator to hospitals that had a special feature. And this feature was instead of a time-based trigger to activate each breath, there was a sensor that was placed on the patient that basically triggered the, the ventilator to activate. And so it matched the ventilator with the breathing pattern of, of the specific patient. So it, it eliminated what's called patient ventilator asynchrony, yes. which can be horrible and agitating for the patient if you think about it. The problem was, the providers didn't really experience this negative outcome. And so they didn't really care. And so they didn't really see a need for this new feature. You see what I mean? The respiratory technician or the physician, they actually didn't experience asynchrony. It was the patient who experienced asynchrony. Right. But what they did, when we did deep market research, we also realized that there was an underlying situation as well, is that these, uh, these care providers had another tool in their toolkit to get rid of this problem or at least mask it, they would sedate the patient. So if the patient was uncomfortable being on a ventilator, they would sedate them. So we needed to create this change in the market's mind that eliminating asynchrony wasn't just good for the patient or more comfortable for the patient, but it was also help the hospital with any issues of over sedation. Mm -hmm. So now we had a clinical case where we were connecting a ventilator to over sedation because of asynchrony. 
And once we made that connection, the market was much more receptive to this product and was much more willing to take action. So the improvement of the health outcomes is really trying to solve a critical issue that's, that's real in the market, which is you know, the possibility of over-sedation in, in the hospital. And so while the technology had the raw capacity to do it, the communications really created that change that hopefully enabled that, you know, the decision makers to see that connection and, and make act, take action on it. Yeah, Hamid, I think this is a really great topic that you're bringing up because a lot of people in the, in the medical device industry, but I'll also even say the, the digital health space and, and pharma, anybody bringing solutions to the healthcare space they'll develop some really awesome technologies, but miss the mark completely on the message. And the example that you're, you're bringing up here is, is a fine example of that. What is it about the message that people miss? Like it happens a lot. It just happened here and there. It happens a lot. What would you say is the reason for that? Well, you know, it's because most marketers are looking at the world through a single lens which is their own company's view. And that company's view may be technology-centric, it may be product-centric, it may be customer-centric. I'm not gonna make a guess, but in order to develop a message that truly resonates, you actually need to really survey the landscapes from three critical vantage points. From your company's point of view, from the, the market or the customer's point of view, and the more human you get with that customer view, the better. So the market view and the customer view are a little bit different in that the market view may talk about the market's growing at this percent and these are the critical factors, but a customer's daily lives may tell you a very different story. And so you need to investigate it from that perspective. And then the third perspective is the competitive landscape as well, because as you know, messages don't live in a vacuum and they don't get delivered to sort of an empty brain these people are being exposed to experiences every day. And so I think that's really a critical part of it is, is this uh, situation analysis that takes those, those three different vantage points to come up with some actionable insight. Then once you have that actionable insight, it's like, oh, the asynchrony problem is masked because everyone's sedating the patient. That was the actionable insight. And from there, everything else builds. It takes a little bit more work but it's so much more rewarding and so much more effective. I mean, love the example. And you said a little more work and and that little extra work is what the extra mile is all about. And there is no traffic in the extra mile. Love that saying, because it's true. And I would also say, Hamid, that the stuff that you're talking about is, is so important. A lot of people need to begin this process, even during the product development stage, not after it's done. Absolutely. I've had the privilege of working with some companies that are upstream of, uh, you know, in, in the product development phase. And essentially, they're constantly testing their feature set. For example, I worked several years ago with a company that was creating an imaging system. So a, a very fancy microscope system. And they came up with, okay, they, they essentially, you know, were sort of maybe about a third of the way into the de- development. And they shared their original intention and how the product was evolving through development. And we went out and tested the product and we came back and said, you know, 60% of this, this feature set that you have is really good, but the other 40% actually masks it and it's going to drive costs and people don't care about this other 40% of the, the feature set. And so we recommend not 
putting this product out as as you have it on on your development path. And, you know, I mean, you can see that in a situation like that, it would save time, it would save costs, it would get the product to market faster, and it has a higher chance of success because the feature set is really what the product, you know, what the market said they wanted or what they found attractive about it. Love it. Yeah, that's so true. So I, I know that a lot of this conversation is probably resonating with, with you right now. So don't be afraid to hit the pause button, take some notes down, <laughs> hit rewind. This is real stuff and really the blocking and tackling that's going to help you be successful in the healthcare space as it relates to product, product development, product marketing. So really, really great insights from Hamid here. Tell us about a time when you had a setback and, and what you learned from that, Hamid. That's an interesting question. I actually think about setbacks as their failures and their mistakes because I, I see mistakes and failures as two different things. And in some context, I believe that failures lead the way or protect you from making mistakes. So let me, let me explain that. Yeah. In marketing, my job is to innovate for my clients. And you know, our clients expect this, that we provide them with something that's fresh, that's unique, that's never been done before that deliver results beyond what they've seen or experienced through other approaches. And so we are constantly experimenting. And to be honest, we're constantly failing as well as succeeding, you know? So daily failures are, for me, is okay. Now, my job also is to mitigate risk of failure for my clients. So in this constant experimentation, we, you know, test new ideas, so that we can avoid mistakes. So to me, a failure is okay because it's part of our job. A mistake is if we fail to mitigate the risk for our clients. You see what I mean? I do. And so failures happen pretty often, to be honest with you, but they keep from making those mistakes. So here's an example of a failure. We develop value propositions for medical devices, for scientific instruments, for you know, products and services, for therapeutics. So as we're developing these value propositions, we also test them rigorously. So we have a method that we apply in market research to test whether this value proposition is going to be good. So we're in this process, we're doing this for a medical device, and we're finding it actually really difficult to recruit the right target audience to even test the value proposition. That's a failure. But this failure, because I mean, why is that a failure? Because now we have to spend more, me, Linus, has to spend more money to go back and, and try to recruit the right target audience. It's now introducing a time delay for this. All kinds of failures. You can think about all kinds of sort of quote-unquote failures. But this failure by itself is really telling because if it's hard for us to recruit through marketing channels to a particular target audience, if that targeting strategy won't work for a test case, it's certainly not going to work once our client is ready to go. So right. we had to go back and rethink our entire value proposition because value propositions are also sort of channel specific. And so we decided to broaden the value proposition so that we could bring the message to a broader target market and then segment them post facto. So we experienced this failure, but we, it would have saved us from avoiding a mistake of a poorly performing go-to-market strategy. You see what I mean? So, I do. And look, believe me, I've made mistakes in my life as well, but I actually see failures as just you know, a stepping stone to something that's better. Hey, that's pretty cool. It's a good way to frame it. And folks, so Hamid's been in, in the business for over two decades, you know, some 
fascinating experiences. He's seen a lot, done a lot. So when you spend that much time in the business, yeah, you sort of have to think about these things differently to stay in the game. And the framing it as failure versus mistake Failure is part of it, and uh, it's part of the DNA, the daily natural actions of what we do. If you're curious about his work and the services he provides, check him out. He's got an awesome website with everything that they've done. It's thelinusgroup.com, so don't forget to check that out. We'll also include that link in the show notes. Linus, you've done a lot. What's one of the proudest leadership experiences you've had in our space to date? So I've got two, if you don't mind. I'll, I'll share them with you. So we were lucky enough to produce a film for a client of ours last year. And we brought together, we brought together this, this patient of a very rare disease to meet the scientist who actually worked on the therapy that saved her life. She was nine years old. She's wow. the cutest, most tenacious, wonderful person you'll ever meet. I mean, she's just lovely. And we actually secured uh, the Rockefeller Center in New York City. She lives in the Midwest. And so she with nice. her parents came out to New York City, and and we basically rented the where we got the Rockefeller Center because she'd never ice skated before, and mm-hmm. she thought it would be great to try it because she's so tenacious, and we thought it'd be a great backdrop of bringing the scientists together with her. So they're together. We're filming this, and and it's just you know so heartwarming and amazing. But after ice skating together. She's sitting around the table with her parents and the scientists, and, she, and they're all drinking hot cocoa, and they're warming up. And she looks up at the scientists and says, just a very clear look on her face. She says, thank you for saving my life. This is a nine-year-old girl. Hmm. No one could speak. Yeah. Because everyone was just so moved to the core of their humanity. And I was so grateful just to be there, but... It made me proud of what I do because I was able to peel back so much. And when I say I, the team, you know, our amazing director, our producer, our everyone who's worked on this was just able to peel back something technical to the core of just being humans. And it was an amazing moment. That's one that I'm just so proud of. That's and awesome. the film is just beautiful. I mean, it's, it's so moving. The other time when I feel really proud is actually every time I get an email or a message from someone who says, I've read one of your books or I've seen your talk and it's helped me in my career. I can't really express with words just how proud or grateful I, I feel when I, when I receive this. That to think that I've in some small way either nudged someone or helped someone either make a shift in their career or launch their career or make their career a little bit better, that to me is the ultimate satisfaction that I get. Because, you know, I mean, writing a book is not easy, but it's also not a life-changing thing, you know? And so it's those small moments that I just feel so grateful for being able to do what I do. Some great examples. Definitely hear the passion in your voice, Hamid, and love your your, uh, amazing way to contribute and do more for others. Tell us about an exciting project or focus you're working on today. So as you mentioned, you know, I'm really interested in behavior, human behavior. And um, we've just launched a video series called Catalytic Results. And once a month, we produce a video, Mm -hmm. a very short video, maybe three to four minutes. And it talks about a single different human behavior or heuristic. And we talk about why it's important and how it plays either positively or negatively in science or healthcare and how it could be used. 
I'm really excited about it. We talk about things like stereotypes. We talk about priming. We talk about the availability of examples in someone's mind. We talk about all different kinds of nudges like um, scarcity. What does scarcity do to the human behavior? And basically, we bring it always back to an example in healthcare. And I'm very excited about the bringing this more human aspect to the healthcare discourse because I just do believe that there are low-hanging fruit, you know, within healthcare by just understanding how humans tend to make decisions and how we can all, you know, move toward a better, healthier outcome. So for the folks listening, whether you be a marketer or a salesperson or, or a leader in an organization selling ideas, ultimately these nudges, you're the catalyst. And so, I mean, if they wanted to keep up with these videos that you're doing, where would they get them? So on our website, or if, they, if anybody follows me on LinkedIn, I tend to post them on LinkedIn. Um, the Linus Group's website has them. The Linus Group's LinkedIn group has them. And then we also have a YouTube channel. So they're all going to be in those three different places. Every month, we're releasing one more video. We've already recorded eight, and we've released the first one in January. So the second one's coming out next week, and, and we're moving forward with that. That's awesome. So there you have it, folks. If you want to get some insights Check it out. Definitely worth your while. Let's pretend you and I are building a, a course on marketing and healthcare okay. uh, to improve outcomes. So, I mean, I've got some lightning round questions for you, and then we're going to conclude those with the favorite book for the listeners. You ready? Go for it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Well, I think that considering that humans don't always act rationally, but they behave in predictable ways. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? That getting the technology launched is the end of the race. It's actually the beginning of the race. Love it. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? As individuals, I always recommend that spending less time on social media and doing more reading. So when I say reading, I mean books, articles, journal articles, and, and just really thought-provoking analysis. Very cool. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? So we have a saying at, at Linus, and this is actually a quote that was on the wall for a long time. It's a quote from a Nobel laureate. Mm -hmm. And it says, discovery consists of seeing what everyone else has seen, but thinking what no one else has thought. Always look at the problem through a fresh beginner's eyes and you'll see something new. That's awesome. Love that quote. Why'd you guys take it off? I think it was just a furniture change. You know? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that it was no longer relevant. I think I gotcha. you know, staying fresh. No, I get it. Yeah, you got to change it up. <laughs> um, these last two, Hamid, are a little more personal. What's your number one health habit? So I live in Boulder, Colorado. And Ooh, if you know okay. anything about Boulder, Colorado, I'm, I love to trail run at altitude. Mm. I also do alpine, or, alpine and Nordic skiing, and awesome. I'm a road bike. Ah, good for you. You're living well. You're living well. <laughs> you know, I feel so grateful. I had the opportunity to chat with the CEO, hospital CEO in the area, and he tells me that there's really some of the lowest heart conditions there. Any heart uh -huh. failure, heart disease, yeah. a lot of it tends to be orthopedic hip yes. and knee stuff because of the very active culture there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got, I've got a shoulder tweak right now that I'm going to go check out tomorrow. But you know, on the other hand, I, I just went for my checkup and I asked my physician, do you want me to take uh, you know, do you want to uh, look at my cholesterol or triglycerides? And she said, you know, Hamid, you're less than a 1% chance of developing heart disease. So no, I don't even want to bother with that. But let's look at your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Case in point, right? Yeah. And what is your number one success habit? Well, I, I don't know if this is a success habit or not, but I listen to a wide variety of 
podcasts when I run. Even when I'm racing, I listen to podcasts. A lot of people listen to music, but mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts because it just, as you're exercising and as you're breathing hard, your mind is coming up with new notions and new ideas. And it has to be a really wide variety. So I don't just listen to business podcasts like yours. I do listen to those, but I also listen to different storytelling ones or world economic ones or history or, you know, just because having that wide variety of inputs really helps me think hopefully new ideas. Love it. What a great habit. So what book would you recommend to the listeners aside from persuading scientists <laughs> as well as catalytic experiences, which by the way, folks, we'll put links to Hamid's books in the show notes. So don't worry about not knowing what they are. You'll see a link there. But what book would you recommend aside from your two books? Oh my God. So the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, who's a professor of psychology at Stanford. It absolutely changed my life personally and professionally. I cannot recommend that book enough. Wow. So what was the one pearl that was the most insightful, if you could remember? Of course. So the entire thesis is that there are two types of mindsets, and these are actually set by your environment, and you can control them. One is a fixed mindset, and then the other one is a growth mindset. So a fixed mindset really sets in early on when people are saying, oh, you're so smart, or oh, you're so pretty, or oh, you're so this and that. When they create that ceiling, then the person or the child, when they start to experience something that's beyond their capability, they immediately shut themselves down because they have this fixed mindset of saying, oh, this is beyond my capability or beyond mm -hmm. my ability to control. And a lot of negative behavior comes from that. Whereas a growth mindset, if you're actually looking and praising effort, then that person, once they come face to face with something that's more difficult than they've ever experienced before, they get enjoyment out of the effort of going beyond and solving the problem or, or overcoming the hurdle. So it really allows for expanding the potential of the human. And this, you know, again, so I'm a parent, this changed my, my outlook on parenting. I'm in a whole bunch of different kinds of relationships, you know, at work and with clients and it changed the way I think about relationships as well as it changed the way I think about, you know, the, the actual work that I do. Very cool. Love that synopsis. So definitely one that you'll want to pick up, folks. It's on my list. Put it on your list to get those insights and get even deeper with the idea. I mean, this has been a ton of fun. I'd love it if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Yeah. So I'll give you my closing thought. This is the closing of all my videos that really humans are complex, but in a very beautiful and predictive ways. And if we can understand those ways, then we can actually help create new connections with our audiences and you know, create better results, create what we call catalytic results for our clients or for the industry as a whole. And, um, you know, like I said, I would love for your listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn or just send me a message through the Linus group. There's, uh, there's ways to get in touch with me there. I, I always love a good conversation. So this has been an amazing conversation. And if I would love to have conversations with any of your listeners, if they're interested. Outstanding. There you have it, folks. Take the invitation, reach out. And uh, Hamid, just want to say thanks again for spending time with us. It's been fun. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.